Welcome to Love Extremist Radio. Being a love extremist means committing to and choosing love as joyful activism. I'm your host, Ethan Lipsitz, self-proclaimed love extremist. Love can exist everywhere, and yet, when talking about it, we all seem to define it differently. There are many environments and individuals to whom love seems lost, or was never there to begin with. I want to engage myself, my guests, and you to confront love, get to know it as it appears in many forms, and learn from others who have love stories to share. I'll focus on three frames of love. Self-love, love in partnership, and love in community. My intention is to uncover and share stories that shed light on love in new and often forgotten ways. We are here with Brother Sid Williams. <laughs> Setting the tempo for Love Extremist Radio in 2019. Sid is a metaphysician, a yogi, and an empath. Throughout his life journey, he has had one goal, to gain the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to reawaken himself to his oneness in spirit and to share his, this healing conscious with his tribe. Brother Sid was born and raised on the south shore of Chicago's Great Lake, Michigan, in Illinois. I want to speak specifically to your bio around reawakening oneself to your oneness in spirit and to share that healing. I think we often exist in this world where everything feels separate, where there's this myth of the individual. We idolize individual success. We idolize financial gain, property ownership. And yet when we identify with the concept of all is one, we get into a space and place where there is no separation, right? We are all connected. How do you, how did you get to that place? How did you arrive from the South side of Chicago to self-identifying as someone that is brother Sid here to bring, raise the consciousness on the planet through the spirit of oneness? Mm. First, <clears throat> excuse me. First, I want to say peace and blessings to all my brothers and sisters out there. I also want to give an acknowledgement to my ancestors. I also want to give an acknowledgement to my ancestors. Yes. To my ancestors. I want to give an acknowledgement to my elders out there. And in faith, I ask your permission to speak. And in that permission, I say thank you mm. with respect and honor. I say what I say as I say. I say what I say as a blessing. Mm -hmm. to open a path for a deeper and a greater understanding of ourselves as the embodiment of love and that we are the hands, we are the feet, we are the eyes, the ears, the mouths. We are the physical embodiment of love, that life force energy they know also as God, goddess. So on that, I want to say thank you, Ethan, for having me here. Mm. Thank you so much for continuing your work. Thank you for including me in your work. And I always appreciate being, you know, on divine appointment, you know, with my man here, <laughs> my brother in divine crime out here changing the world, you know, doing our thing. Um, so, wow, how did I get here? The thing of it is that I've had the great opportunity to have many lives in this one life. And even in my youth, having so, so, so many dreams, so, so, so many dreams, um, I was very um, present and very conscious when I was born. In fact, when I was born, I was born with my eyes open, my eyes functioning properly. Wow. I actually remember being born. I remember looking at the doctor, and I remember this son of a bitch hitting me several times until I cried. Wow. I remember that. And I remember my father jumping at this guy because he almost dropped me. It was a madness. So the opportunity to come into embodiment and to know that one is conscious in a moment um, has in it in itself a lot to come by. Right? <laughs> so 
you know, having been in this thing a couple of times, um, it's always about remembering, recognizing, putting back together again that which we forget, which is we are all here on divine appointment. None of us are getting out of here alive. <laughs> so if we can live our lives with that understanding and simply witness the great gift of the breath that breathes you, because none of us breathe. Each of us are always only ever breathed by the breath. This is the experience of life itself. If we can simply be with these two basic laws, there is no possible way that an individual without mental health conditions will not logically come to the right body-mind understanding that there is only oneness. Now, it will take some contemplation. It will take some sitting and some practicing, witnessing the breath, you know, noticing like what happens if you don't breathe, that it actually breathes you, right? <laughs> and experimenting some play like a child, you know, open-minded, wonder, discovering. But the mind will open. The soul will relax. And you'll come, your vision, your understanding of yourself will broaden wider and wider and wider. And this is the nature of love itself recognizing itself as itself in physical form. This is what I mean when I talk about, you know, being embodied in consciousness and understanding oneself that way. Okay. All right. Hold on a second. This is a way to live, though. Let me say this. I have come through much struggle, much failure, much grief and suffering. Okay? This is not no walk in the park. This stuff is not heady-deady stuff. I got this because... You know, I have lost kids, I've lost jobs, property, marriages, notice the S. I mean, hey, you know, being a light worker, a shadow worker, being a person who's an empath and understanding how to do these things and walking this journey is not no walk in the park. You're going to get beat up and you got to expect that, <laughs> you know, when you're walking in the body anyway. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and this is why this is why you're here. For, for one, you just answered the first question, what is love, right? You're expressing that love is this oneness, con- this consciousness of oneness. But also what's so fascinating. Well, it's a matrix, actually. What I want to say about love is that it's a matrix. It's a matrix that is yourself. And what I mean by that is that love is so dynamic. We are actually the embodied conduit through which love moves and breathes and has its being. Like, just think of it. Space can't know its space if it can't touch something, right? So that's what I mean. Like that love, that frequency, that vibration, it's something you can feel. And if you focus on the breath, that right there is a start. Yes. This isn't, but I just want to be clear about this, Ethan. We have to get away from the mind just in trying to understand what love is. It, it, love is something you can, it breathes you, you can touch it, you can see it, it cries. It, I mean, it's a woman, it's a man, it's so many different ways to understand what love is. But the, the path, the journey, right? The, our, our journey and our path is to find our way individually how this soul expresses. And that is only happening when I'm in connection with my ancestors and I'm peeling off this ego, this edging God out, this identities of time and space, of clumped experiences, culture and myth and institution and racism and all the other isms. And and that's not who we are, man. I hope you got your, I hope the people you bring on this show is breaking it down, bro. Oh, no, don't, don't worry about that. We're okay. breaking it down. But <laughs> We're breaking I, it down. We just broke, we just, you just broke it down so deep. We just went, way deep into something that is very much embodied as you said and i do want to get into the realm of not necessarily um mentalizing things but i want to get into the realm of what we can touch right what Mm. what are the points where we can actually connect and say all right sid what's your story what are the things that you've been through that other people can relate to and say oh i've been there too so I'm and go it's gotten right. you to this consciousness. So out mm. of the frame of the consciousness explanation and into the frame of what Story. what have you seen? What, what what have you seen on your path? What what, what are it. some love stories that Oof. have taught you or some challenges oh and heartbreaks oh my God, that bro. have taught you, right? Do, oh. 
I know you've been look Pandora's box. So, bro. so real I quick, mean, Sid, on, Sid is a friend of mine. Just just to give you guys some back backstory, <laughs> and I know that Sid has he lying, y'all. This is a soul brother, yeah, yeah, right there. Well, there you go. Sid is, a, truth, Sid is a family man. member. Sid, Sid and I have been <laughs> doing this brothers thing, for a long time, and 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 you have seen mm. a lot of life. You have been to war. You've grown up in uh, a part of our nation that has been both a, a birthplace of so much culture, mm. so much richness and genius, identity. Black genius, genius, black magic. Absolutely. And also the center of murder right oh, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a, controversy. A, a, a center of controversy. That's the Windy City, baby. Big shoulders, you know? Yeah, dude. You've light li in, the light and the dark, they walk together. And you've lived on those streets Bruh. and in the castles. Oh, yes. You know, you've you've walked in all the places. So, oh, yes, Sid bro. is Sid is Southside Chicago to Israel <laughs> and back, baby. That's how we roll. London too. <laughs> so tell us, tell us, uh, tell us a, a love story, Sid. Mm. Tell us something from your oh, your wow. your journey that illustrates something about how you've gotten to this point of consciousness. Okay, so I'm gonna try and make this quick, but I'm really wordy. Um, but I'm <laughs> okay. So my first experience with this thing you know this this attraction right that, that magnetizes the body was toward one of my friends girlfriends because he had introduced us as friends and we had had so much in common literally our birthdays were like within a day of each other and we immediately were finishing each other's sentences and like this and it was a connection so what the good part of it was that my friend and her were falling out. So I didn't feel so bad about the attraction. <laughs> but what I noticed was that it literally in my body, I felt magnetized to her. Wow. So immediately I first understood that if there was this force that could activate me in a way that I could literally feel drawn to this person, no matter how close or far we were, then this thing has to be real because I'm thinking this thing my mouth is watering and, you know, other parts of my body are ready to explode. So I began to really deeply penetrate past all the bullshit that's on the social media and turn to my body. And so the first time I had sex, I was about 14. But before that point, before I'd even engage with my partner, this girlfriend, um, I'd spent uh, two years prior to that point reading you know, sex, uh, Tantra materials about, you know, uh, chakra systems and how to activate orgasm and things of this nature. I mean, I was very curious about these things anyway. And it just so happens that I lived and I had some opportunity to go to some places that had books like these, which was cool. And so, um, you know, Kama Sutra and these things, I was ready. I was set. So when we started to engage, like, immediately because of what I knew, sex became something that was spiritual because wow. again, it was something that it, it was, we were right in the body. She's a Libra. I'm a Libra. So I'm in masculine. She's in feminine. We're both polarizing each other. And she was a clinically diagnosed nymphomaniac. I mean, nymphomaniac. So I, we had 19 hour sex situations going on at 15, 16. Like, hmm. and when you're doing that, what that does to your body and your mind, your connection to this person is so alive. I just, it, it, it gripped me in a way that was very unusual. Our parents noticed that and they, our, our mothers cut it off. Like, and we tried in every way that we could to stay connected, but it was all but impossible. Wow. So you, at, at like your first interactions with intimacy were of a spiritual lineage having read up on that previously right. and had this personal interest. And having shared it with her, and we intentionally began to, you know, experiment with color and experiment with sound and experiment with, you know, certain positions and breath. And it was just a deep, deep study. And this is, you know, at that time when Sade was out, so that saucy music <laughs> will... <laughs> I mean, yo, bruh. Wow. wow. So so then with your parents, your your mother's cutting it off. Did that mm -hmm. create a sense of shame or like a suppression or a feeling like this was taboo? Or did you feel confident that what you were doing was still healthy? 
I felt confident what we were doing would, was healthy, but it also, I also understood that these that our mothers were women that were wounded in love and were jealous and could not hold space for just the bright brilliance that we had together because we were the best of friends. We supported each other in everything. Wow. And so I, their concern was that we were suffocating each other and taking one another's lives over, but we always supported each other. Hmm. So, um, you know, for me, what I took from that was that is what love can be or that is what that thing could be because I didn't know if it was love. Right. I just knew it was so consuming, you know, and, and, and passionate and, 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 and tasty and, I mean, desire. You know, I began to understand this, the cycle of desire to know what you want, to see what you want, to feel what you want, to speak what you want, to be grateful for what you want, to take action. Like I began to understand that there was, there was a, there was an energy, there was a movement with desire that had power that you had to stay in what you wanted. Like you could work with that. And when you're a kid, you can't put it all together. I mean, things are coming and going and you're fighting with your parents. You're playing football and shit. You know, you want to be popular and you want to wear the right clothes and stuff, but a journey is happening. Mm -hmm. And so I had, I had a father you know, who was a black Hebrew Israelite and um, um, black um, artist at that time in the 60s and the black power movement. And my mom was right there with him, you know, a strong brunette, you know, from the south of London out there with my dad, kicking it in the bricks on the southwest side of Chicago with my family, doing this art thing, you know, this great, beautiful community thing, you know, teaching people how to eat well, you know, wrap their hair and doing art and culture and music and earth, wind and fire is coming and the last poets are coming through and Commodores and it's like this thing. Mm. And so when that's your backdrop, you're not going to be no regular kid, man. I was reading on the first grade level at the age of like two, two and a half. Wow. So it's like, I've always been in this journey. I what I really appreciate about how you articulated that love connection with your first partner was how it felt embodied. You noticed that your body was giving you the cues. And I think that's there's actually a commonality with partner love that also yes. exists in self-love yes. and, and can also exist in the collective where mm. the but specifically around self-love where embodiment practice right mm. just coming back to the breath as you said coming back mm. to awareness of the body is mm. one of the most powerful methods of coming into self-love would you agree absolutely and it, it's fundamental it's fundamental because this is what can also be noticed in my journey is that one can have a sense of it but if one does not properly begin to shift and tune and feed oneself, you know, in a healthy way, you become unbalanced. And then you get sucked into this unhealthy male toxic bullshit that we all have to fish ourselves through as we're trying to discover what life is actually about. Hmm. We get caught in these capitalistic games and these struggles with this military industrial complex, both with the state on the streets and on the federal level to other countries and, you know, being a veteran and have, being from a family of veterans, my father being a veteran and, you know, you know, in terms of a, a heartbreaking experience of love, the only time in my life um, as a young man that I can recall after the age of about six was that of a street experience I'm going to describe. It was at night. I was hanging out with my dad, um, which was exceptionally unusual. My mother was coming to pick me up, um, and it was at the nighttime, and... They weren't together? No. Oh, my parents had been separated a long, long time ago um, for a number of different reasons I won't go into, but um, needless to say, it wasn't, gonna, it wasn't a great experience. When they... Well, not needless to say, but I was going to... What I was trying not to say when I said needless to say is that it was a heartbreaking experience for me. I was uh, 17 at that time. I'd graduated from high school. I'd left my mother's home to stay with my dad, and my mother was coming to pick me up to spend a weekend with her. And so my father walked me down. We're waiting. My mother walks up. He says, hey, Jan, how you doing? And my mother just, Who did, why are you talking to me? And boom, it just lit up. It was an immediate explosion. 
right under a street lamp at night when the sun is going down and people in the neighborhood are still on the street. Mm. And this is the last experience I have of both my parents alive standing in my presence. Wow. And at some moment when they stopped and things were settling down, I said, are y'all finished now? <laughs> I said, are you finished? I said, so let me help you understand something. This is the first time that I've seen the two of you in the same place at the same time since I was about six. And this is the memory you want to give me and leave me with. Hmm. I just want to leave y'all with that and help you understand what you've created here. And I walked away. Hmm. And that was a bittersweet situation because I understood that they were locked in a chaos cycle that had no resolution because they were not focused on love. They were focused on pain and right. loss and anger. And I, I, I felt that and it, it burned. I'm sure. You know, and there's a cycle of generations of that, you know, especially in the African-American community. And so um, that's also something that shows up in many of our relationships that we often don't think about is how ancestral breaks in love cycles impact our habits that play out in ways that we can't see because we don't know the stories. I want to speak to that for a second because I come from a place of immense privilege. Mm. I grew up in a very loving family. Mm. My body is uh, Caucasian, I'm redheaded, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish, mm. but I, 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 I don't, I, I, I come from love and mm. I didn't experience that type of heartbreak in my family. Mm. at least not at that level. Mm. And, and I, I, I just want to speak to, I guess, I don't know if this is a, a naive question, mm. but how do we break the cycle? When someone, all they know of love is mistrust or is actually anger and hate and, and you know, disruption in a family, if their role models don't exist for a healthy relationship or a loving environment, how, how do they, or how does, does one, one uh, encounter and, and shift and transmute into a lighter space? I remember when, um, I hope it's okay that we talk about this. Do you speak about your health? And your yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I speak about I remember when you first um, told me um, about your condition. And it's immediately at that point that I was very clear about what my role was. And just to remind everyone, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor a year and a half ago. And so I've been uh, battling that for the last year and a half in various ways. So when Ethan and I first met, I was like, oh, man, it's one of my soul brothers. I know this dude. We've been <laughs> on this trip a couple of times. I'm like, yo, what's up? He's like, oh, yo, what's up? And we just hit it. It was just like, bam. So, you know, I'm the kind of person when I look at people, I don't I look through the skin and the hair and the clothes and because I'm just that person. I've done this a couple of times, so I'm not tripping. We can't take it nowhere, nowhere. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm -hmm. it don't mean nothing. So, you know, when I connected with this dude, it was powerful. So when he said to me, man, I'm sick, I'm like, Psh, man, okay, cool. So first thing I said, man, we got to get together. So I brought like grocery bags of supplies <laughs> and books and like was going to break it down. And my first question to him is, you know, are you, are you ready to die? Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, yeah. I said, okay, are you willing to kill yourself? I said, because that's a concept. Mm. If you're willing to kill the concept of your death, then you can free yourself from that. And if you can free yourself from that concept, if the concept does not exist and you practice that out of your consciousness, you can shift this entire thing. And he's like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit was on. And crack it is so... You know, in this sense, it's it's love has everything to do with the willingness. Look at this. Angel bells, man. See, that's what I love when I talk about stuff, man, and bells go let, off let and things go. happen. Yeah, I just let it happen, man. Yeah, let it happen. Um, it's beautiful when you can come along someone, come alongside someone that you know you have a divine relationship with, a divine appointment with, mm -hmm. and be able to recognize that your time together with that person on this journey in this moment has come and that you're prepared and that they're open because then the love that you're able to witness and experience, that true agape love, 
that you witness that's bigger than the two of us together and we enjoy that and we witness it, it breathing us together. I mean, the beauty, the strength, the faith, the frequency, mm-hmm. the, 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 the meditation and the medicine is so real. You know, love is a law, man. It, it ain't something that you like. It ain't something that you can have any opinions about. It's something that is going to, it's something that exists. I want to just, just touch on that just because what I'm, what I'm gathering from this, and I so agree with you, is that when we are challenged to step up and step into our gift of giving back, that is a manifestation of our love. And you, in that moment, when you came to support me as I was just being diagnosed, were doing that. You were stepping up into this loving expression of brotherhood for me and support. And I think that's a really beautiful uh, point that you're making, which is when we're challenged, when we're asked to show up and be bigger than what we thought we could ever be, and maybe we've never even been this big in our lives or been it for ourselves, but when we're able to give that and step into that light and shine that on someone else and give back what we intuitively know is right, that is a gift of love. That is a loving gift but I couldn't give you anything that you didn't already have one. And two, I couldn't give you anything that you didn't recognize that was coming to you and that belonged to you. And this is an important thing to understand about love. Love is not a foreign magical concept like a Disney movie, Hmm. you know, or some shit you see on the movie friends or some of these other cosmopolitan fashion based shows where we're selling brands and drinking cocoa and shit. (laughs) Love is something that will, it has to break you. You have to be willing to grab the sword of something that will cut you inside and cut you when it comes out. And you have to be willing to breathe and witness and be and, and go through all of the, 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 the terror and the tragedy and the, the passion and the, 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 the celebration. It, it all comes together. You avoid any part of it, there will be your skeletons. Mm. And to walk in the grace of that is our journey. Like, and to be, to be open. And this is why, again, I say back to the breath. If we just are willing to expand fully mm. and contract fully, everything in between can be handled. We just got to take it a day at a time. And that's a practice. Look, look, I have struggled with the m- multitudes of the types of addictions. And mental health issues due to my service uh, related wartime experiences and losses of family and children being taken away from me in one way or another, or my children being, um, uh, in my experience, killed through um, being um, taken by abortion. And, Mm. you know, these things are literally caused me to have the desire to take my own life. And at that same time was going through an existential spiritual crisis in that I'm asking this, this, this God concept of, of, of Jesus and all this Christian situation, you know, Hey, if I kill myself, can I still be in your presence? Hmm. Cause this, I don't believe everything in this book. And I, some of these things, these people saying are doing, it ain't right. There's something greater here. And what I witnessed the law say to me was that, yes, you will still be blessed and I cannot take away the consequences. And there will be consequences. Mm -hmm. But I, in my mental health crisis, was willing to take my life to understand that. Now, look, I wouldn't suggest that to anybody. (laughs) Let me not be mistaken. (laughs) I would not recommend that to anybody. But lo and behold, those of us that are true shaman, those of us who truly are workers of Olodumare, High, high priestess and priest work. The goddess worshipers, y'all hear me. Hey, expect to be broken. Expect to be changed. Expect to be made anew. Mm. Expect to shed so many people (laughs) to come into the fullness of your own understanding of yourself. You must be willing to break that which you think you are. And you have to be the one to kill it. If you're not willing to kill it, don't complain about what you don't have because you're not willing to sacrifice for what you truly want. Thank you, Sid. Thank I love you. 
I appreciate you. I want you to keep shining. <laughs> I want you to keep grinding, you know, and, and, and man, and keep making those of us who love you proud, you know, keep on this journey of pursuing your passion and your creativity. Because your love, man, is is a real thing. It's a beautiful thing, and I appreciate your commitment. I say to you, I say, I say to you, Amen. Mm. I say to you, peace and blessings to everyone. Thank you, thank you. I wanna, I wanna dig in a little bit on your experience as a veteran, as in going to war, mm. and whatever story you have to share about mm. you, you fought in the Gulf War, right? Yes. And 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 so I'm I, sure I say the greatest war, uh, <laughs> and the reason I say that is because it was the shortest, the briefest, uh-huh. and the most strategically, almost perfectly executed plan that in it in in its essence from beginning to the call of the end of the siege was just so logistically. Perfect. It was beautiful. I mean, there was damage. War is ugly. But to, to, to come in and to take a country and to shut it down and to stop what was happening, I will say this. There's an experience I had going into that very different than World War I vet or World War II vet, and I am not at all comparing my experience to theirs. Mm. It, I, I'm completely humbled by theirs, not even to mention the Vietnam vets. Whoa. If it wasn't for the Vietnam vets, I wouldn't even be sitting here. Right. I promise you that. So listen, I'm going to start off like this, and I'm going to say to you, in love, veterans don't need paid friends. We need family, okay? So citizens, find a veteran that you want to choose to grow a relationship with and love him into your family. Welcome (laughs) him. Welcome him. Welcome him home. This son of your country, this protector of your community, the daughters, the sisters, and all the identities that make us up in all of our services— Welcome us home to your communities. Be our friends. We don't always want to go and get services and talk to people in white coats and take pills. Sometimes we just need a hot couple of meals and a, and, and a sit down at a table. Can you listen? Can I listen to your story as a citizen? Yeah. Well, and hold that space. As a community, you can do that as a family ritual on a holiday. Is, I, the, is there a story that you'd be willing to share with us from your experience that... Yeah. That that opened your heart or maybe oh, yes. closed it? <laughs> so um, I actually um, actually demanded to be sent to war. Um, I actually volunteered, and this is the reason why. I was um, uh, one of the trainers, um, one of the highly trained airmen um, as a medic where I was working and had gone through tech school and was very good, very proficient at what I was doing. The suggestion um, that was floating around uh, was that they're going to send a lot of the new recruits that had just came out of uh, tech school. They were going to send them. And, you know, some of the senior airmen were really like, no, y'all can't do that because they're not going to be able to handle this. They don't even know the job, right? And so um, I basically broke into one of the meetings. was like, y'all got to send me. And I almost got really beat up for that by my first sergeant. But I got to go. And what... The impetus behind that also was that I wanted to be in England because that's where my mother's from. You know, my mother's an immigrant to this country. And Mm. so I'm a first generation American. And what that also means is that uh, no one from my tribe in Britain had ever left the tribe to establish any life here in the new world. We were the first from on the south side of Chicago and we black. And that is what broke my mother's relationship with her parents. They didn't speak for decades. Well, we always got a card on Christmas and <laughs> we always, you know, got a, a, a decoration. So there was some humanity there, but there was such fractured feelings. I had to go. I felt a strong need to go and see my family. So, so the military was sending you to the UK, to war. but the station was in the UK. That was, that was right. And, and it was traveling distance to my grandparents and my uncles and my oh, cousins. Wow. Okay. So I'm traveling to war to connect with loved ones I'd never met. And, and, and in the context where the relationship with them had broken because their daughter had married an African-American man. Right. So you see the dynamism already. Wow. Right. Yeah. So when I walk into the room, I, well, first of all, when I call, I called my uncle 
And um, he's like, so are you at where we agree? I said, he said, yeah. I mean, I, I said, yeah, I am. I said, but I got to tell you, um, I said, I'm African-American. And my uncle, he said, deadpan. He said, no shit, really? <laughs> I said, I said, yeah. I said, and I said, I'm, I'm sort of, I don't look like everybody. He said, you know what? I'm sure I'm going to find you. Just hold on. And so that was a beautiful way of wow. even trying to get into the softness of that communication. When I met my grandmother, I walked into the room. I said, I said, Grandma, I've been waiting all my life to meet you. I love you. <laughs> and she looks at me. She looks at me sternly. She says, don't start no shit while you're here. I'm like, and everybody's like, <gasps> I'm like, Grandma, how could you say that? How can that be the first thing she you say to me? Wow. She says, I know who your mother is. <laughs> and everybody <Okay>. falls out. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's about that. That's right. Three times, baby. Yeah. And that's love, y'all. Look, that's love. It's full of surprises. Just when you think you have it, it has you. And it can, it can smooth you and touch you and make a frown turn upside down. It's a real thing, y'all. It's a real thing. You got to get in it, baby. So from the UK, you got some time <laughs> with your family, but you also, I imagine, served in a unit and oh, and got into the thick. Right? Oh, yes. And Surgeries, lost limbs. Oh, my God. Damaged brains. Wow. Dead bodies. You know, I had a situation, man, where I was taking care of a kid uh, on a ward. It was him and... I was working with some other folks and uh, we had some patients and this kid lost a leg. So, mm. and woke up, I was like, you know, where am I at? Where are my legs? Where are my legs? And was freaking out. And so he's like 18, I'm like eight, 17, 18. He's like 17, 18. And I'm here comforting this dude has been to war and has lost limbs. And I'm just like, I'm just here. Wow. I'm just here. I told him, I said, look, man, I said, we here. Mm -hmm. I said, you hear that, you know, your legs and stuff, bro. Hey, they're gone now. We just got to be just, let's just be here right now. Just, and we just cried together, man. I mean, that's real shit right there, but that's love too. Yeah. And you have to be able what to, is, yeah. yeah. And, and, and meeting one another on the grounds of war and loss and grief. And yet finding our humanity and the willingness to breathe in the, in the ache and the torment, and yet stay connected. Right. This this is love. It requires practice. It requires meditation. It requires witnessing. It requires sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It requires a desire to strive for something more, something greater, you know. And I'm going to tell you, being a veteran is not something, um, it's not just a job. It's an avocation. It is a calling. It, because we've had a volunteer um, military for decades decades mm -hmm. so the people that are going have a desire that is built into who they are as people that kind of love is just something that embodies you and when you walk when you walk as a person who's taken on the code of a warrior and you experience that kind of love in a unit with other people where knuckles up elbows down back to back it's us against the world and we ain't leaving nobody behind and you Put your life on a line with other people like that and everybody don't come back. Mm -hmm. See, love means something different. It's, it's not as simple as using it unconsciously as a weapon anymore because you've seen what that does. So love becomes more complicated, becomes more relative, it becomes more qualitative, it becomes more conditional in its unconditionality. There's an inside-outside thing with love that you can experience if you go to the breath. Hmm. Notice how I keep taking you back to the breath. So would you say that you built relationships with individuals while you were serving that had a different flavor of love? Or, or was it more, more so about a self-love that was cultivated through that experience? I mean, it was more... what. The experience as a veteran has a lot to do with the uh, development of a sense of camaraderie with a set of mission-driven attitude mm -hmm. about life, with a unit of people, 
that are different than you, that have different skills and perhaps different expertise than you. Maybe you don't always know them and they don't always know you. Maybe y'all don't always get along and maybe you don't always trust each other. But when that fucking bell goes off and it's time to go to war, knuckles up, elbows down, yo, Mm -hmm. this shit is going down and everybody coming home. Mm -hmm. Period. In a box, so help us not. But if so, we're going to honor that person and we're going to honor him for the rest of our lives because we know what it takes to sacrifice so that freedom can be a peaceful cup of coffee on a calm afternoon mm-hmm. in a safe home, warm, children protected, provided for. There are people on the other side of the planet you will never even know that are having sacrifice so that you can put gas in your car, so that you can argue with your neighbor or practice whatever rights that you have in this country because someone is standing watch. That kind of love is not something you can pay for. It's something that one has to be willing to sacrifice. One has to be willing to stand in that gap. And I know what that feeling feels like, you know, being the oldest of four boys, growing up in the hood, you know, losing friends growing up, you know, and, uh, you know, even at some point, you know, living across the street from a whole house and, you know, in a, in a drug joint and, and seeing that and and then understanding that my uncle had actually grown up with this person in the neighborhood where my mother and them used to know. I mean, it was a communal thing. It's like that was a bizarro situation, but it brought me back to the complexity of what love is. That connection to that woman in that house doing those activities was still in place. My uncle still recognized her as a human being. Mm. And she, as a result of that, kept an eye out for us. We didn't have normal problems in that neighborhood. So I also understood that love is dynamic. It's, it's complicated. It's not always a straight line because my mother didn't like that woman. They knew each other. They respected each other, but they didn't talk. Mm-hmm. So there was boundary, too, which had protection and merit. So, you know, you see what I'm saying about love, man. It's not you have to be willing to breathe with it. You got to be with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to cultivate you if you're willing. But I, I really appreciate you bringing up the word boundary because, mm, because that's, yes. that's, that's something yes. that we often <laughs> let our boundaries go, right? You know, too fast, way yeah. too fast, too often, way too often. You know, when we feel in our bodies like, oh, this, <laughs> this is love, whether that might mm-hmm. be, that might be exciting a, and new. Yeah. Come aboard. Right. Or maybe it's a self-love, right? Maybe it's like, man, I just discovered this new diet or this new form of exercise. And then addiction plays a role and we don't set boundaries there. Right. Well, see, then we're all it. So this is where I, I was so grateful to have begun my journey of this depthful understanding of love with desire. Mm-hmm. Because desire is like a basic principle of life itself. It's a, it's, a, it's a self-igniting striving. A desire to want will take you to an image, a thought, a feeling, which will take you to something that you will say right. It will take you to something that you will create or act upon, and a manifestation will happen. When this is the most simple thing. When you notice that cycle right there, you can see it everywhere and everything. And that's the abundance of what love is, does, and brings. Even if you want to get back into the oneness, right? Look at our relationship with the tree. Hmm. Man, we're going back to the same mineral compounds. <laughs> when this body gives, when, when the breath no longer breathes us and this body breaks down, mm-hmm. this carbon unit. Yeah, bro. Well, we also breathe with the trees, right? With yes. the trees exhale, we inhale yes. and vice versa. Exactly. So I, I'm, I'm interested though, because there is like a fine line, like when you talk about desire, sometimes desire feels like um, craving, like, 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 like there's an absence of something like you could, mm. like there's the, there's coming from the place of lack. Yes. The place of scarcity. Yes. Versus the place of abundance, the place of fullness. Right. Fullness. And I think that desire can exist in both spaces, right? It does. It has to. It's the sustenance of the universe itself. I mean, if the universe, if the universe doesn't have a des- driving desire to fulfill itself, then it wouldn't exist. Right. So then, when you notice that it's a com- it's a compulsion that actually drives what breathes you, and it's always going to do that, and it's greater than you, then you can understand that it actually wants to provide for you. It wants you to win. So it can experience what it's like to have what it wants. So it can be what it is. 
So this is why it's important that we have a depth of relationship with ourself so that we know who we are, we know what we are, we know why we are. Because we have to tell our thoughts what to think, our feelings what to feel, our bodies what to do, our mm -hmm. time how to tick, our money how to spend. You see? And really, at the end of the day, we just got to continue to breathe. We got to continue to recognize. Witness. And witness, right, that miracle that being. pushes us forward, the being. Yes, thank you. Mm. So what are some, besides breath and witnessing your breath, what is a daily loving practice that you would like to share with us that, that's something that you do that can spread or cultivate love within or bring it out? I like to keep the teaching very simple. So when I say that there are times when I sit really, that I that I literally sit and simply focus on breathing, this is exactly what I mean. And when I say focus on breathing, what I mean is I try and practice allowing the breath to breathe me and just see what will happen if I don't breathe. Because at some point I'm going to have to participate, but I try and focus on that space when that energy takes over and I choose. Because if I can witness that, there's something there. And what I witness in my own body is a sparking. There's a sparking in that noticing that I feel my entire neurological system flare up. And that's life force energy that I'm trying to witness, that I'm trying to nurture and I'm trying to be with. Because if I can do that, then I can begin to work with that energy or notice that energy in other places. And look, I apologize this is this is deep stuff because I'm just deep like this. All right, <laughs> I talk like this all the time, and it irritates a lot of people that love me. But this is all what I know, and that's not to say that yeah, what's up, baby? <laughs> that's not to say that um, you know I don't understand what it's like to be punched in the mouth or what it is for a woman to cheat on me or to feel that the falseness of that at some other point in my life and just say like yo, that's shit. But um, really. When you tear away so much of yourself and you lose so much of yourself, you notice that you're only here, that you're only here for service. And when you know that love is service, it's all love. Like it's all love after that. And you just want to keep giving. You just want to keep peeling it away. You want to keep giving stuff away, man. Like I've had, I have this practice of when I see a brother and it don't matter if he's living in a skin different than I'm in. If he's all hot and excited about my shirt, man, it's a fire dashiki, man. I love that. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. My heart just lights up and has a desire to give it to him because he's so in love with it. I give it to him. I've done that. Like, I, there are brothers that are walking around with my dashikis on because I just gave it to him, like my jackets, because I desire to witness what desire can bring through me if I just say yes. And this is what love is. Love is a practice of witnessing a yes that's unfolding through you and you get to participate with it. Because it wants you to win. Mm -hmm. It has to want you to win. Otherwise, why the hell is it breathing you every day, all the damn time, and you're not asking for it? Because it wants to give you a gift, motherfucker, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. like, yeah, that's love, baby. Yeah, That's love. That's Southside mm. Yogi talking there. I'm going yeah, to calm no, that brother I'm, down. I'm happy to hear him. <laughs> He's always welcome in my house. All right, Sid. Well, so where do we find you? Where, mm. what, how do we access besides this podcast? Is there mm. a way that you'd like to be found? <laughs> well, I mean, I think I, I'll, I'll just be honest with y'all out here. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm out here raising babies. I'm out here trying to, you know, be, uh, you know, support to my wife, CEO of our company and things. I'm, I got, I got it. I do have a website up. It's uh, www.sidwilliams.com. It's old. I do a whole lot more stuff than that's there. And uh, you probably get a sense of that from listening to this because when you see the site, it's going to be like, you mm -hmm. know, life coaching kind of stuff and business approach, which is cool because I do corporate stuff. and um, But I also do, uh, I also deal with metaphysical things. And so you can go to my Instagram. I think I have an at Sid Williams or at Brother Sid or something of this nature. But uh, you could also go to my Facebook. Generally, if you want to really um, hit me up, you could probably also let Ethan know, hey, I want to work with this brother. Ethan can hit me directly. Find uh, me on the podcast. Yeah. Right. And so I just want to say this. When I work with people, and Ethan will tell you, I work with people that are ready to work. And, and I'm a, I'm a mm -hmm. kind of person that wants to alchemicalize what you want to move quickly. Uh, I take this work seriously. I'm a disciplined devotee of certain practices and rituals and, 
And uh, for me, uh, this work is the reason we're here. And I just believe very seriously that all of us that are doing this work as healers and, and uh, health coaches and uh, peer support specialists and veterans and uh, husbands and, you know, people that are light workers, we really need to be on all fires right now, especially the sisters. So, mm-hmm. you know, love your sisters and understand that we did some real conscious hip, hip work that's happening. You know, Ethan is just one of many in the tribe of folks that are really out here wielding this light, you know, trying to move this thing up the hill. So peace and blessings. I love you all. And um, thank you all so much for your energy, for your time. Always be and do the best that you can because you got to leave it all on the field. You can't take nothing with you. So have fun. Celebrate your life (laughs) and love yourself, baby, because God and I love you, too. Well, I got one more question for you, but before I ask... I just want to just double click and just say, Sid, as you can tell, has an incredible story, has a breadth of knowledge. He's incredibly well studied in multiple practices from ranging across meditation, mm. um, across spirituality practices. Mm. He's incredibly well read. I mean, since he was 12, he's been writing. He's been reading about Tantra since he was 12. I mean, this this guy is no joke. And so um, please do reach out to me uh, via the podcast or my social media if you're interested in getting in touch with Sid and his work. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I want to verify that it, you have brought so many blessings to my life and to that of our community mm. through your knowledge and through mm. your experience and through stepping up and really thank being you. there for us. So thank, thank you. you. I just yeah. want to shout out to some of my teachers. I want to shout out, um, I want to shout out Larry Payne, you know, creator of the LMU program for yoga therapy and his very good friend, the founder and creator of, uh, I rest bringing back the, uh, cashmere shivism. Mm. Um, I also want to, um, Shout out to uh, all the masters and friends out there. I don't want to put nobody out like that. So I just want to say peace and blessings and and thank you all so much. Uh, Yeah. uh, Big up to everybody, you know. Absolutely. All right, Sid. So what's your favorite love song? Oh, wow. You don't put me on the spot like that. Hey, man, you already knew this this was coming. It doesn't, Um, you know, there's plenty of love songs out there and you can just choose the one that's first one that comes to mind. Okay. What do you got? Can I? Have a talk with you, with you, with you. Can I, can I make your dreams come true? Mm. Oh, can I? Can I make love to you? I'm going to stop right there. That's one of them, bro. Who is that? What is that? <laughs> I can't remember that song. There's Sounds a, like Can I, Pete, but... Mr. Yeah. Pete, Mr. Pete, Mr. Peterson. Uh, this is a gentleman who had uh, won a, a number of competitions on um, uh, uh, Night at the Apollo. Uh, and this was the... Uh, I think this was the 90s. Uh, heavy set, brother. Um... Dark skin, brother. Beautiful voice, beautiful voice. But also there's, uh, you know, my favorite, my two favorite vocalists that I felt were really just prophets was Luther Vandross and Prince. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Luther Vandross, one song that comes to mind would be House Is Not A Home. Yeah, man, I love that. And then thing. Prince would be, um, it would, shit, it's so funny. Um, Ballad of Dorothy Parker, If I Was Your Lover. Um... Slow love. I mean, that brother. Oof. Yo, make sure y'all check out Prince doing jazz and blues. Like a lot of people don't really know that much about Prince in those areas, but I'm telling you, the brother got some. He got some beautiful stuff out. And it's he's got some really nice acoustic stuff too. Right. Well, thank you, Sid. This has been a oh, yeah. pleasure, my friend. Oh, for sure, bro. And uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in to Love Extremist Radio. It's Sid Williams. That's how we do. Southside Yogi, baby. <laughs> Southside Yogi. Holla. Catch us on the next one. We will see you until then. Be well. Peace. A chair is still a chair. Even when there's no one sitting there. 
Still.